Welcome to Sessions by Monster Chats. Sessions is a new kind of show for us where we ditch the script and instead dig into the real stories behind the people in our professional lives. How do we all come together in this world of entrepreneurship, sales, and unified communications? One session at a time. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Kayana Aran. Kayana and I are going to be talking about medical devices, biosensors, and seeing what is missing in her journey as an entrepreneur. I'm Colin Mitchell, the host of Monster Chats and the founder of Monster Voice. Kayana moved to the U.S. in 2002 from Iran. She then studied electrical engineering and then biomedical engineering in the East Coast. Kayana did her postdoc in bioengineering at UC Berkeley and Buck Institute of Aging. Now Kiana is an assistant professor at Keck, a member of the Claremont Colleges, including Pomona, Harvey, Mudd, Scripps, and visiting faculty at, the, at UC Berkeley. She is the co-founder of NanoSense and is recently merged to become Car- Cardia Bio and started another company when she was postdoc, which miserably failed, but the lessons she learned are invaluable. Kiana, welcome to Monster Chats. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, and thanks for inviting me for this podcast. So, I I I look forward to sharing my story with you guys. Yeah. So, tell. Let's just start from the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit of you know what it was like growing up as a kid, and then you know moving to the U.S. So, um, I was born during the war between Iran and and Iraq. So, all I remember from up until nine years old, it was um, it was basically the war. But my parents were both educators, so my mom, she always made sure that we are on top of our schooling and, and we, um, we don't fall behind. Um, I was really good in math and science, and as a woman growing up in Iran, we had nothing basically to do but to study and, and go to school. And uh, so um, I studied uh, um, mostly math and, and the science during my high school, and I was pretty good at it. And if you were good in math, you, you would go to, you know, engineering field. If you were good in like, you know, um, other sciences, you would become a medical doctor. So this is the two paths that was, you know, designed for Iranian students usually. Mm. Um, so I decided to go and study electrical engineering because it was something that um, you would do if you were a good student, basically. I studied for electrical engineering for two years, and then I won the lottery for green cards to come to U.S., and uh, I migrated to U.S. at the time I was 20 years old, and um, uh, I moved to the East Coast, where I continued my education in electrical engineering, and I hated it. I mm. hated making transistor. I hated making diets, but um, I didn't also know that in the U.S. you can easily change major, and you can you can easily jump from one major to another major. Uh, I was um, trained to be very focused on what I was doing. Uh, but during the last year of my undergrad, I, I got myself exposed to a lot of um, uh, training. I was working for NASA and NOACRIS, uh, writing um, algorithms and programs for satellites. I was going to the uh, Chesapeake Bay, collecting ocean water and monitoring the quality of water and chlorophyll A concentration in the water. I was working in a biology lab, growing cells, not growing cells, mostly basically infecting cells. I was famous for... You know, Kiana is coming. She's gonna infect all the cells. Make sure to remove your 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 reagent. And um, that, these are these are the things I remember from the biology lab. But I was always fascinated with biology. I was always fascinated with human body. 
and uh, uh, this was this was something that was my passion, but was never aligned with what I was studying in school. So for my graduate work, I decided to go um, to biomedical engineering, which I could utilize some of my engineering expertise, and then you know combine it with some biology and use it for like uh, clinical diagnostics. So I studied um, biomedical engineering. Uh, I was accepted to PhD at Rutgers University, where I studied biomedical engineering, and I designed devices to monitor patient uh, immune response during open heart surgery. Because patients, when they undergo open heart surgery, they are usually connected to a machine called heart-lung uh, machine, which basically um, provides the surgeon with a motionless heart while your blood gets oxygenated through this um, um, extracellular, uh, sorry, the um, disc cardiopulmonary bypass system, which was um, basically oxygenating your, your, um, your blood. Okay. Then that's, can um, we can we go back for one second before we get too too deep here? So, tell me about winning the lottery and 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 moving here. What were the feelings around that and the challenges um, that you experienced? So when um, when I realized that I have won the lottery, I didn't even know what lottery was because what my dad was applying for us every year, and um, when I heard about it. Uh, I was the only family member who, who, who won the lottery. So basically lottery was uh, given to people, I think 50,000 people are from around the world. And, um, and uh, you basically go for an interview. And if you have a good background, they usually make sure that you have good educational background and you're uh, financially supported to get to U.S. And uh, you, get, you get your green card basically when you arrive to the U.S. It was a sort of... Uh, and the best, the best lottery one can win. However, mm-hmm. my lottery fall into around 2001 when the um, uh, when the attack happened in New York, and I remember five. It was five days or six days before 9/11 was basically five or six days before my interview date, and Iran was listed among the five first countries that was you know listed as as potential terrorists. So I was freaking out. I will not get my visa. And uh, I remember going to the embassy, very nervous, but I got, my, I got approval in, in three, four minutes. So my whole interview took only four minutes. I think it was because of my educational background that they really wanted people with that educational background to come to U.S. And that changed my whole life. A few years later, I brought my whole family here. And um, uh, I remember when I arrived to U.S., I received my green card in, in a mail in, after two weeks. So this is how I got here. Wow. So was there some mixed feelings there of like excitement of opportunity, but then also, you know, leaving your family? Well, I was very goal oriented and determined. Even before I won the lottery, I was trying to leave Iran to Europe. And uh, it was very difficult as a, as a single woman to leave Iran. So I was struggling to find a way to leave Iran. And, um, and, uh, then I think I was hurt by a bigger power and I won the lottery to come to U.S. And I think that was, that was the best thing that happened to me. Wow. Okay. And your family, your, uh, your family is all here now? Yes. After five, six years, I brought my whole family here and they're all here in, in the U.S. now. Okay, great. Now, all right, so let's fast forward a little bit. And then so you, 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 you're, you're at school and not really loving what you're doing, but you kind of just stuck the course um, and then when did you kind of start to, you know, get, what kind of fired you up? What did you start to get excited about in, in your studies? 
It wasn't until I actually finished my PhD and I started my postdoc at UCB, uh, UC Berkeley, because Berkeley is an environment where you go there, you walk midnight, and you see all of these people, entrepreneurs, scientists working really hard to bring the next innovation, the next technology out there. uh, And this is where all the excitement came. And it was there when I started loving science, when when reading papers became my passion. And, and then I started to become more innovative of, um, of how, do, how can I combine different sciences together. So I was combining biology, like molecules, enzymes, with electronic circuits. I was trying to figure out how do I make electronic not to interact with biology? How do I make systems that are useful for healthcare applications? And this is where everything became fun. This is where my electrical engineering background became handy. And I'm like... I can do different things with this electronic. I can transistor that you can see in your cell phones. Every simple uh, electronic system that you have around you, it has millions of transistors in it, right? Imagine if we can use this transistor to monitor our health, our healthcare, or our, our, our health, or you know, markers of disease. Then you can potentially have a handheld system or an Apple Watch that can monitor all of your, you know. Uh, enzymes, all of your you know, molecules that are indicative of disease. So this is a vision that we have. How do we, we have advanced so much in modern electronics. We have all these gadgets that are changing on a, on a monthly basis, but we haven't been able to use this advancement for, for healthcare applications. So this is my goal, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to utilize my background in electrical engineering, combine it with biology and science, and see what I can do for human health. Mm. Um, and this is where I got exposed to a lot of entrepreneurship, because I, I would see people in Berkeley starting companies. And I, at the time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to become a faculty or if I wanted to go to industry. So I gave it a try. I took lessons in Haas Business School. And I started, um, I started a company on one of my technologies, which was an ingestible capsule for, for, for taking medication, basically, for taking medication that were injectable. Um, and uh, I remember um, some of my first uh, pitches to VCs, I would go there and I would come out crying because mm. as a scientist, I was so naive. I didn't know how to, pit, how to pitch this um, to this uh, groups of people, how to pitch to VCs. And it was daunting at point, but uh, every time I went back, you know, I, I, I gathered myself together and I looked at the shortcoming and I tried to go back next time stronger. So I just didn't give up. And I think that was the whole the whole um, uh, reason behind, you know, where I am today. Um, then I realized that I am not good in business negotiation. So mm-hmm. I, I found a person who was supposed to help me in, uh, in negotiating from a business perspective. Uh, so th- uh, this person was a gentleman, which we made the CEO of the company, and we were trying to raise money together. But then I still remember a few, a few of my meetings the first thing that they would ask me when I entered the room, they would ask if the person was my husband, which was really daunting. And I'm like, why would you think I would just, you know, come into it? Why would you think the relationship is that way? So it was kind of difficult sometimes, you know, but, um, but overall, I think, I don't think like being a woman affected me that much. Sometimes it would see reactions like that. But then I think, I think it was important that you don't see yourself like that. You don't see yourself as a woman. You see yourself as someone who has a technology, who wants to move it forward and don't take things personal, you know, and uh, 
just don't hear the negative things and just be positive. Um, I wasn't able to raise money for that specific technology because it was kind of futuristic. Now it's not because they're working on it and it's in preclinical trial, which I'm really happy about. And at the same time, I received an offer to become a faculty. So I accepted the faculty position. I started my lab and I moved on to my next innovation, which was, you know, using transistors for diagnostics applications. And uh, this is when I started my next company. This time I... I was lucky enough to be introduced to a partner, a business partner who was, um, who was, who had the visions who, uh, that, you know, was very similar to mine. We were aligned and we were able to raise money before we incorporate. So that was really good. And then after a year we were acquired and merged with a bigger company. So, um, I think, uh, I think that the process of me failing multiple times gave me confidence and, uh, and made me realize that uh, technology itself is not enough to have a successful business. You need to have the right team. And uh, during that process, I, I expanded my network significantly. And that network is why I am today surrounded with a team of professionals that are helping me to move my technology to the next level. So I think wow. it was super, super critical. The team that you build, the culture that you bring into your, uh, into your company. And just, you know, don't see yourself as a woman or as a minority, you know, and see everyone as a human. And, and sometimes you encounter people that are not treating you the same, but it's okay. You know, it's a, you, you are not treated fairly in many other aspects of life. So I have learned to not take things personal. And I think this has been super helpful in, in moving forward. Mm, so the thing that has really served you well is, not giving up and, and being resilient um, and also not taking the discrimination personal and just keep moving forward and then surrounding yourself with a good team to help move your technology forward. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and focusing on really um, a long-term career goal, a long-term vision that you have because you should always have a bigger picture of where you want to be. And then you have tasks and you should always align your tasks and not get trapped into details of daily things that are happening to you, but always remember that bigger pictures and uh, that you have in, in, in mind for your career goals. So this has been helpful. So sometimes sometimes I, I feel down if something doesn't work out, but, but then I always remind myself, okay, this is just a small challenge along the way. This is the bigger picture. And I really think that you know, no one would fail in achieving their goals. You fail when you give up you know, mm -hmm. or, or you give up, it's, 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 that is the definition of failure. Right. You know, so. Changing, changing your mindset and in, in how you view the, you know, not necessarily failures, but challenges, um, which are part of the, the road to success and any good entrepreneur fails or hits many walls before seeing success. Um, and just reminding yourself of that all my colleagues, especially women to do. I have a son who was born, you know, during the first year of my PhD and he was sick and it was really difficult and challenging. But um, uh, I knew that I, I wanted to continue my PhD. I wanted to finish on time. And I had, I, I had a vision, which I was not going to give up on. So I used to read chemistry to my son to make him fall asleep. Right. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I would be like, 
my mom would tell me, you know, you should, you should, you're more focusing on your, on your motherhood. I wasn't a perfect mom, but I was a happy mom, you know, and I'm still happy. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend time on like cooking and washing dishes and all that, but I spend really a lot of quality time with my son where I have fun. So what I'm trying to say is that you don't have to be perfect. Perfect perfection, the definition of being perfect is really a personal thing, right? And uh, for me, being a perfect mom is very different than someone else. And and if you're happy, you know, you can be a good mother. If you're if you're unhappy with with your career then you won't be a good mother because that unhappiness will show in your, um, in your daily, uh, in your daily acts. But um, it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay. You know, if, if situation or things happen in your life that slows you down, like it did for me when my son was sick, but um, just accepting that there are times, there are challenges and, 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 and take those a step by a step and not give up. And not and not you know and don't stop moving forward you know even if it's, if you're moving forward slow slowly that's okay but but do not put in a stop on that I think it's super critical and you know especially for women here in America that um, we, we sometimes we just put gaps that are not re- needed because we want to be perfect in everything. Wow, that is uh, very well said, and what a whole uh, next level of multitasking there. Well. Uh, putting your kid to sleep while reading chemistry and, you know, staying on track to get your, your PhD. Yeah, it, it was, it was difficult, but, um, but uh, you can talk with my son now and, and he knows a lot more about science and, and uh, chemistry and physics. And, and, and it's, it's nice to see that, you know, I, I think these are the thing, you know, that my son will remember, not me cooking for him. Right. He remembers that his mom took him to a conference and he was sitting on a front row while his mom was presenting, he was asking if he can get some water and I totally ignored him. And uh, him learning about CRISPR at early age where, where no one else know what CRISPR is in his age. So I think these are things that he, he remembers and, and I really hope that I can be a good role model for him. So. Wow. Well, it's been great having you on the show today. I really enjoyed learning more about your story. Um, Kiana, is there anything that you want to let people know? Where can they connect with you online or where can they find out more about some of the things that you're working on? So they can go to my lab. It's uh, it's aronlab.org. We work a lot on aging, identifying how can we slow down aging. And we work a lot on electronic and how we can use electronic for health applications. So it's my last name, lab.org. And then also our company, Cardia Bio, which we are trying to merge biology with electronic for next generation of um, healthcare devices. Wow. Thank you so much. If you are listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. The show is all about you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sessions by Monster Chats presented to you by Monster Voip. Monster Voip started frankly because we were sick and tired of getting gouged on our business phone bill and getting dropped calls all of the time. Today, Monster Voip serves over 6,000 customers and is passionate about saving businesses money and giving them the features that they need in a modern tech stack for today's companies. Text TRIAL to 424-378-6966 to get your free trial of Monster Voice.